who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Danielle McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 11. If a warrior is not unattached to life and death, he will be of no use whatsoever. With such non-attachment, one can accomplish any feat. Hagakure. Yasutoki sipped his tea in the dark, listening to the silence of the night. Darkness had fallen hours ago, and most of the castle was now fast asleep. The only people likely to be awake were guards. He darkened his room so that anyone passing by his chambers would think him to be sleeping as well. The cold moon shone down through the slats in the shutter, painting faint bars of silver on the tatami. The moon was high and aloof, little more than a sliver in the cloud-patched sky. This was Yasutoki's favorite time, the deep dark of a cold night. He sometimes felt that it most closely mirrored his soul. There were no voices, not of night creatures nor of men, to disturb the silence. Only the moaning whisper of the wind. He savored the mournful sound, like the pain of the whole world given voice. One had but to listen. There were men who could not accept the world's pain and ugliness men who tried to fight against the misery and the injustice. The men who fought against it were fools, doomed to perpetual failure. All a man could do was to seek to carve a place for himself, to suffer less misery by inflicting it upon others if need be. The shadows of his room were pitch black, 
much like the dark corners of his spirit, he imagined. The darkness held mystery, and mystery was power. Men feared the unknown, and controlling the shadows granted power over men. The power of shadow was subtle, sometimes so ephemeral that it could not be predicted. But it was power, power that Yasutoki had been trained to harness from the time he was a child. His affinity for shadow was a potent weapon, but so was information, and information was something he gathered in great abundance. In spite of Tsunomori's recalcitrance, there was little that happened in Lord Tsunotomo's castle to which Yasutoki was not privy. He occasionally amused himself with testing bits of gossip to see how they spread and how the details changed in the telling. The news of what Hatsumi had done to the servant girl, Moi, had spread through the house like wildfire. This was something he had not foreseen. The last thing he wanted now was a confrontation with Hatsumi. Perhaps she was a bit too volatile to use as a pawn, at least until he determined a way to turn her volatility to his advantage. Making love to her had been a chore. She had been stiff and unresponsive like betting a dead fish. After months of his careful advances, she had consented to lie with him, and he could tell from her reactions that she was almost hysterical with fear until he was finished. But she had been possessive ever since. He was finding it difficult to take advantage of some of the servant girls he favored without offending her. And then poor unfortunate Moy, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, taking the brunt of Hatsumi's newborn jealousy, and undeservedly so. No matter. Moi was just a lowly, cross-eyed servant girl. Perhaps, if she became a bit more womanly, he might decide to partake of her charms. It was time. He stood and shed his voluminous robes, revealing his tight-fitting black undergarments. He picked up a small black box made of hammered copper, the handle was warm to the touch, even through his black gloves. He slipped the black mask over his face and moved like a true shadow to the door of his chambers. The hallway outside was pitch dark. He moved with complete surety through the empty blackness, having long ago memorized the exact dimensions of every room and hallway in the castle. As he passed the shoji screens of various chambers, Faintly backlit by the glow of coals or moonlight, faint snores wuffled through them. The air held the faint smell of charcoal smoke from the heating braziers. His slippered feet made no sound as they moved across the polished wooden floors. He did not expect to see any guards until he had nearly reached his destination. Nevertheless, no lord ever lived as long as Sunatomo by being careless. There were guards at the entrance to the castle, and at the stairs to the upper floors, where the lord, his family, and Yasutoki resided. Yasutoki's chambers were on the floor below Lord Tsunotomo's. Tsunomori's office was on the castle's main floor, near the audience hall, the kitchens, guest rooms, and Yasutoki's office. Yasutoki had only one guard post to contend with between himself and his destination placed at the stairs between the upper floors and the main floor. Usually, that guard was asleep. 
Yasutoki reached the top of the stairs. He saw the opening below, a window of yellow-orange light from the lantern. The shadow of the guard, standing just out of sight, lay across the floor in front of the doorway. As silent as a shadow himself, Yasutoki moved down the stairs. He had long ago memorized the points on every step where the wood would not creak under his weight. Two steps from the bottom, he saw the guard's silhouette against the lantern light. He leaned against the wall with his arms crossed, his head drooping toward his chest, his measured breathing indicating he was dozing. As the castle was not under threat, the guard was not wearing any armor. He would be an easy target if Yasutoki had to kill him. Slipping past him into the corridor, Yasutoki kept his attention focused on the guard. Only when he rounded the first corner and was out of sight did he begin to move quickly. In less than twenty heartbeats, he reached the door to Tsunamori's office. In two more, he was inside with the door closed behind him. The room was pitch black. The windows were shuttered against the winter night, but only kept out the moonlight not the cold. The air was frigid, but Yasutoki ignored it. He moved across the room, found the desk with his hand, and knelt beside it. Then he opened a small door in the black box in his other hand, and a small puddle of faint light from the candle within spilled out onto the desk. Yasutoki's breath seeped through his mask in vaporous wisps. He shielded the light with his body. No one passing by in the corridor would see any evidence of activity within the office. Sunimori's desk held an inkpot and brush, a neatly arranged row of scrolls, and a sheaf of loose papers. He rifled through the papers and scrolls until he found the list of names for the warriors serving as Sunitomo's retainers, an inventory of arrows, bows, swords, spears, and other weapons, a count of horses to mount the bushi, and an inventory of the supplies stored to feed these warriors and their horses. There were even estimates of how many peasants could be conscripted to fill the ranks in an emergency. His gaze darted around the pages, counting, calculating, committing it all to memory. He would remember all of it in perfect detail. When he was finished, he felt a sense of satisfaction that Sunimori would be instrumental, in some small way, for the future victory of the great Khan. He put everything back exactly as he had found it, then closed the small lantern door, plunging him into complete darkness. He waited for his eyes to adjust once again before slipping back into the corridor. He crept through the castle hallways until he reached the corner where he would have to move into the guard's field of vision. Ever cautious, he peered around the corner. The man was awake now, yawning into his hand and rubbing his arms to keep warm. Yasutoki cursed silently. He waited and listened for the sound of the guard settling down again to doze, for the sound of slow, steady breathing but those sounds did not come. Yasutoki knew this man to be a competent warrior, an honorable man, not a sluggard. It sounded now as if he was trying to keep himself awake and warm in the cold, deep hours of the night. He was rubbing himself, moving around, 
complaining under his breath about the chill. Yasutoki's patience began to wear thin. He considered killing the man, but that would create far too many complications to his simple plan. Then he stiffened at the sound of footsteps coming from behind him. The next watch was coming. If he were discovered, all of his plans would be for naught. The footsteps were closer than they should have been. He had been too focused on this guard and had forgotten when the watch changed. A lantern floated toward him down the hallway, illuminating the pale pool of the new guard's face in the lantern light. Fortunately, Yasutoki was standing near the door to a small storage room. He slid the door open, slipped inside, and closed the door behind him. Around him in the darkness, he sensed bulky stacks of barrels, bags of rice and grain, and jars of pickled vegetables and fruit. Had the two guards heard the sound of the sliding door? He felt his way through the pitch blackness toward the back of the room, listening to the new guard's footsteps drawing nearer in the hallway. The guard at the stairway called out, Kuniaki, is that you? His voice grew louder as if he was approaching. The second guard answered, Yes. Did you hear something? A door. I thought that sound was you. The two guards met in the hallway a few paces away from the room where Yasutoki was hiding. They paused for a moment, and Yasutoki could imagine them looking at each other. One of them called out, Is someone there? Yasutoki positioned himself behind a stack of bags of grain and tried to meld with the darkness. The light from the second guard's lantern filtered faintly through the rice paper door into the storage room. The door to the storage room slid open, flooding the room with light, sharpening the shadows cast by the stored foodstuffs. Yasutoki prepared to strike if necessary, easing a shuriken into his right hand. Is someone there? said the second guard. The shadows on the wall shifted as the lantern moved into the room. Bah! Must have been a rat. Do rats open doors? The first guard laughed. I've seen some around here big enough to open a door. The second guard harumphed. The lantern moved out into the hallway, and the door slid shut. The first guard said, Well then, good night. The second guard grumbled something, and the other man laughed as he walked away. Yasutoki heard the new guard assuming his post, and the first guard's footsteps receded as he returned to his barracks. With the patience of a serpent, Yasutoki waited in the darkness. If he emerged from the storeroom in the early morning, dressed as he was, it would be difficult to explain. He silently chastised himself. He should have anticipated this possibility. An hour passed, and he slipped out of the storeroom into the hallway, just out of sight of the stairway guard. The guard's breaths were even and slow, but he was fidgeting. Yasutoki hazarded a glance. This guard was leaning against the wall, much like the first, but he shifted back and forth, fighting against the dragging pull of sleep. Another hour passed. Yasutoki could not discern whether the guard was asleep or awake. Finally, after another hour, the guard's movement stopped, and Yasutoki seized the opportunity. 
He slid around the corner and across the corridor, so that he moved with his back against the wall with the opening to the stairway. All he had to do was slither against the wall and around the corner into the stairway, and his work was done. If the guard awoke and saw him, he would have to kill him swiftly and try to deal with the aftermath as best he could. The guard stirred, and Yasutoki froze, trying to become the very essence of silent shadow, willing the guard to remain asleep and unaware. The guard remained in his doze. Time froze as Yasutoki crept away slowly, a finger's breadth at a time. He did not breathe. Every step was an eternity of precise, painstaking movement. Finally, he was in the stairway, stealing up the steps. Only when he reached his room again did he suck in a huge gasping breath. How long had it been since he had last breathed? His legs buckled under him and he sank to the floor, shaking, quivering. The strain of his success was almost more than he could bear. His belly was a sick, swirling pit, and his whole body trembled. He had led the sedentary life of a courtier for far too long. Much of the physical strength and endurance of his youth was gone now, blunted like a blade that had not been used in decades. He sat in the darkness for a long time. Finally, his breathing slowed, his limbs ceased trembling, and he was able to reflect on the information he had gained and on his reactions to the events of this night. He was getting too old for this kind of skulking around. Better to let younger men do that kind of work for him. Before he realized it, the castle was waking up around him, and the gray light of dawn peeked through the crack between the shutters. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. 